listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. We've been in this series called Truth Bombs for the last month and a half or so. Uh, how many of you guys have enjoyed this series? How many of you guys have ever spent this much time in the book of Proverbs in your life? You have. It's a great book. I personally haven't. This used to be, Proverbs was my go-to when I was younger and I felt like I needed to read the Bible because I literally did the, it's, it's the first, so I'll read Proverbs 1. And then I'd usually skip like eight days and I'd read Proverbs 8. And that was kind of what I did. But this has been an amazing opportunity for even myself because I've never taken a chunk of time like this and really just focused in on a book and, and really absorbed God's word in that way. And so as I was prepping and thinking of a proverb, there was one that God put on my heart, but I was hesitant to pick it. And there's reasons behind this, but I really didn't want to select this one. It was more of like a personal thing. You know when God speaks to you and you're thinking it's like going to help or bless like other people and you're realizing like, but this is really for me. Like this is what I need. So I don't want to talk about this. Um, but the proverb was Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12 says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. The title of my message tonight for this series is How Is Your Hope? How Is Your Hope? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for uh, just tonight, Lord. We thank you that we're able to come here and be together as a family, God. God, that we're able to come here and be um, children of yours, Lord. Would you just have your way in this place, God? We invite your presence, Lord. We invite your spirit. God, do what only you can do tonight. We love you so much. And everybody said, amen. amen. How is your hope? Have any of you guys in here ever had your hope crushed? Be honest. Yeah, raise your hand. I want everybody to put your hands in the air. Look around. You're not alone. Everybody's hope is usually crushed. If your hope's never been crushed, uh, I don't know what is going on with your life, but that must be amazing. But most of us have experienced hopelessness or, or a lack of hope to some extent. I talked about when I went to Life Pacific, and this is really funny because there's a couple of you in here who know this story really, really well. But I, I was at Life Pacific, and I was 24 years old, and 24 years old, and single, and kind of single, and single, and kind of single. And one morning I woke up. And for those of you that are married, maybe you can relate to this. I don't know how this happened. I don't think I did anything. It must have just been the Lord maturing me. But I remember I woke up one morning, and I left. There was something in me that left that whole, like, I'm just kind of in the dating pool just to date to date. You know what I mean? I don't know what happened, but I woke up one morning, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I think I'm in this for the long run now. Like, I'm ready to, like, stop dating. The people that I found, like, I was typically drawn to were no longer, like, really attract, like, attractive to me. And I'm like, I want to find a wife now. Like, I'm 24. I'm tired of playing around. Like, I need to find my wife. And so I wasn't, like, that intent with it. Like, I woke up and went to find my wife that day. But I just realized, like, something's different. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> Something's different. It was a Tuesday, and this Tuesday we had chapel, right? And so I walked into chapel with this new mindset. I'm no longer a boy dating. I'm a man looking for marriage whenever that comes, but I was ready for it. So I was in that zone, and all of a sudden I see Christina leading worship in the chapel. I think Adrian might have been playing the guitar. I don't know. I really wasn't focusing on anything else at this point. But Christina was front and center leading worship. She was singing It Is Well by Bethel. Uh, the last thing I was doing was really worshiping the Lord at this point. 
But I remember falling in love with her like super quick. And I, we had had a similar friend group. We had never really hung out before, but like her friends knew me and my friends knew her and our friends were friends. And so it was kind of this weird thing that I had never really seen her in, in that light. And so uh, for a couple of weeks, I was really, really nervous to talk to her because like uh, she's just Christina and I'm Justin and those who know us, it's just kind of that way. And so I was like, I don't think she's going to like me. Uh, fast forward a couple of weeks, I finally got the courage to ask her out and we went out on a date. And I took her to a, I took her to dinner. It was out in, out in Claremont and it was amazing. But while I was there, I remember we, she, we were walking to the table and I was following her and the waiter to where we were going to sit. And I just felt the Lord say like, hey, this time right now, you're going to have more of this. Like this is going to be something that's going to happen more than once. And so right there, I was like, oh, the, the Lord is like really involved in this because like she said yes to a date with me. It took her a couple of times, but she finally said yes. I'm like, okay, so God's hand is clearly in this. And so we went on our date. Uh, I thought our date was going really, really well. Uh, I don't know what I could have done differently, to be honest, but I think it was just a, a time thing. And so while we were there, she had kind of just really quickly dropped a, hey, I have a home church I go to on Saturday nights, um, you know, and she told me where it was and it happened to be in my hometown. And so I said, okay, well, that's where I live. And I go home on the weekends. I said, so maybe I'll, I'll just pop in and say hi and be there. I think she invited me. And so the next day, yeah, this, you guys can see where this is going. So the next day I show up to the house church. I could kind of tell she was a little distant. I was hoping that like she was one of those girls that's like, oh, I just had such strong feelings for you. I couldn't really talk to you, but it wasn't that. <laughs> I show up to the house and I ring the doorbell. I brought my best friend because I'm like, hey, you got to meet this girl. And I'm like, well, maybe we'll start dating, right? And I ring the doorbell and uh, someone else answers. It's not her and she's nowhere to be found. She's not texting me. I don't know what's going on. About 20 minutes goes by. She comes down the stairs and she just kind of like gives me that like, the like acquaintance pat on the back. Like, hey, so nice to see you. And that was the only time we talked the entire night. And I remember feeling really off. I remember feeling embarrassed because my best friend was here and now I'm here and all these people, like I was like, hey, is Christina here asking for her? And she's acting like she doesn't know me. And everyone's like, who's this crazy guy here looking for Christina? And I'm not trying to paint her in a bad picture because she's lovely and she's amazing. She's going through a lot. But so I'm in this place. She was leading worship that night and I'm sitting there and I remember feeling so confused and up almost like mad at God, like, God, why would you, like, I've seen your hand in this, like, I felt like the Lord gave me a word that night when we went on the date the night before and said, like, hey, you're going to have this with her more, and I've realized why there's, it's significant that God told me that there, because I need those reminders, but I remember feeling like, God, like, I don't know if, if this is, if this is going to work, like, I don't think she likes me, and I heard God, and he said this three times, he said, do you trust me, and I said, yes, he said, do you trust me, and I said, yes, he said, do you trust me, and I said, yes, God, I trust you, and he goes, I'm going to need you to trust me in this season with her, right there, my hope was sky high, because I said, you know what, God, I know what it sounds like when you're speaking to me, and this is what it sounds like, you guys know what God sounds like when he's talking to you, you just know, and I knew that God was talking to me, next day, Sunday, I'm back at school, and I'm talking to some of my friends, I get a text from Christina, and she says, hey, uh, can we chat? So I'm with one of my other really good buddies. He's like, oh, dude, like, she's probably going to, like, maybe apologize to you for, like, being rude. <laughs> like, you know, maybe she's just going through stuff, and she's going to clarify with you that, like, this is what I'm going through. And so I'm pumped, and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is good. God's been speaking to me. Like, my friend, I was really, what he was saying was confirming what the Lord was sharing with me. And I go down there, and she walks out, and she says, hey, thank you for, for meeting up with me. And she goes, I, this is what she says. I'm not kidding. I'm not changing this to be funny. 
She goes, you're really nice, and I want to be straightforward with you. I'm not really feeling it, <laughs> she said. So all she told me was she's not feeling it. And so I right there, and then here's the follow-up, and this is real. I'm not changing what happened. I don't know what face I made that led her to ask me, are you okay? <laughs> so she asked me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And so, and I wasn't, I was crushed inside. But, but I remember at that point feeling so hopeless. My hope was deferred in that moment. Deferred, uh, another word that you can use for deferred is postponed or stalled. My hope for anything moving forward with her was stalled. I mean, I'm not feeling it. Like, that's literally like a dead end with a person. Like, that's not like, hey, give me a little bit. I'm working on some stuff or I really like you. She said, I'm not, which I'm not feeling it means, hey, I don't like you and there's nothing I see in the future with you. And so you want to talk about feeling hopeless in something that I felt God had spoken hope to, it was gone. It is funny. You can laugh more if you want. We still talk about it. But like I said, my, my hope for that relationship with her was, was postponed. It was really put on hold. God's design for humanity uh, did not include hopelessness. Do you know that? We weren't designed to have to cope with feeling hopeless or, or struggling with, with losing our hope. That was not God's plan. But because of our sin nature and the fall of man, life has a way of taking away our hope. Life has a way of taking away our hope in even the smallest areas. If, if the enemy says, if I can just take away little pieces of hope, eventually they'll feel hopeless. But that wasn't God's plan for us. And so... Uh, tonight, as I unpack this, I was praying and I said, Lord, who's a perfect example in the Bible? And almost personally to me, who's a perfect example in the Bible of feeling the way that maybe I felt when I was going through my seasons of feeling hopeless? And the person God placed on my heart was Hannah. How many of you guys know who Hannah is? Hannah. First Samuel, Hannah is a young lady and she was married to a guy named Elkanah, I think. There's probably other ways to say it, but I call him Elkanah. And Elkanah was a basically a farmer, and he lived on the outskirts of Ephraim, and he had land and, and crops and harvest and, and other animals, and so uh, Hannah was one of his wives. Now, a lot of us have uh, maybe kind of confusing, like we think like they had multiple wives. Here's the reason they had multiple wives, specifically where he lived was, was when you had land and crops you needed to harvest, the business plan, the strategy for these people would have been, hey, I need to recruit more workers and I need people to tend to my fields and tend to uh, our animals. And so the plan was if I have, you know, one wife, I could have three kids. If I have four wives, I can have 12 kids. And so that was kind of what was happening. And so back then women were really, really uh, labeled by or, or, or placed by how many kids and, and how healthy of kids that they could have. And so Hannah's in this family, and there's one thing about Hannah, and some of you know this, but Hannah couldn't have kids. Hannah couldn't have kids. And so you imagine being in that time where her sole purpose and value was found in her ability to, to bear children for her husband, and she couldn't, she couldn't do it. I'm going to read in 1 Samuel. This is a story. Every year, uh, Elkanah would take his family just up north. Uh, it's about 16 miles from where they live. So he'd go on a 16-mile journey with a handful of wives who didn't get along. 
Doesn't sound very fun. But he'd do this every year, and he'd go to the temple, and he'd make his sacrifices, and it would be a couple of days long that this trip would happen, and they would have meals, they would spend time together, uh, there would be sacrifices and such forth that would take place while they had these events. And this is what happens in 1 Samuel. They're taking one of these trips to the temple in Shiloh, and it says this, every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Her husband Elkanah said, oh, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? And why are you so upset? Am I not worth more to you than 10 sons? And so Hannah ate. Then she pulled herself together, slipped away quietly, and entered the sanctuary. The priest Eli was on duty at the entrance to God's temple in the customary seat. Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried inconsolably. Then she made a vow. O God of the angel armies, if you'll take a good hard look at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I'll give him completely and unreservedly to you, and I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. For a life of holy discipline. It's a very sad, but to me also a very beautiful picture when you look at this, what's happening. It's important to understand Hannah's mental, emotional, and spiritual state in this moment. She was experiencing deep, deep pain, deep, deep trauma. This was not, this was not a time of, of Hannah being bummed out or feeling like she's missing out on something for a season. This is a deep, 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 deep brokenness that she's experiencing. She's not weeping silently, and Scripture describes her as she was inconsolable. Inconsolable. One of the, one of the worst things that I, that I, that I like to see, I, I don't know. One of the last things I like to see is an inconsolable person because when I see an inconsolable person, I know that they're just in a state of emotional chaos. So imagine this younger woman there in this, in this state of emotional chaos. The prophet who was on duty, or the priest who was on duty, his name was Eli. She was so uh, hysterical that Eli actually accused her and tried to kick her out of the temple because he thought that she was drunk. That's how hysterical Hannah was while she was there in the temple. And Eli says, hey, you need to get out of here. You're drunk. You're drinking. And she had to tell him, no, this is my area of brokenness. And this is what I'm feeling. What she felt, what Hannah felt she was supposed to bring to the table, she couldn't. The only thing that she was expected to bring, she was unable to do it. She was hopeless in her purpose. We even see her hopelessness that she feels in God because in her prayer she says, God, if you'll quit, if you'll just quit neglecting me. She is hopeless in her purpose and she's experiencing hopelessness in her relationship with God. What a broken place. What a hopeless place to be in. I want to go on to two really important things that Hannah does in this season, in this, these moments of hopelessness. is The first one is she exhibits a pattern of prayer even in her disappointment. She exhibits a pattern of prayer even in her disappointment. What does our prayer life look like when we're down? I mean, any of you guys find it harder to pray when things are, when things are tough? Here's how, I, here's how I feel with this and looking at my own life. I've noticed that I've had seasons, and these are the best seasons, when you pray for something and God answers it. You pray for something else and God answers it and God's answering on my time. I'm like, this is, I like this whole praying thing. It's getting easy to pray like this. But then what happens is, is there's seasons where you're praying for something. You're praying for, for health or you're praying for a loved one or you're praying, you're praying for something and God's, God's response isn't as soon as we'd like it to be. 
God's response isn't as quick as we would as we would prefer him to respond to us and what happens at least in my life is I notice my prayer life begins to begins to lack I begin to pray less because God you're not hearing me anyway so my prayer really means nothing and I maybe it's something that I I prayed for daily and I prayed for this daily but God you're not healing this relationship so Maybe I won't pray today. And then maybe you start praying once a week. You're praying once a week. It pops in your mind like, God, I'm going to pray for this relationship. And, and then that doesn't happen. And then before you know it, it's something you don't even pray about anymore. And you're experiencing hopelessness in that situation. This is something that God's really convicted me about. And he's I, like placed this heavily on my heart. Is You know, only we can, only we can defer our prayer life. Only we can make the decision to stop praying. No one else can make us stop. We choose to stop praying. Again, life has a way of making us feel hopeless, and, and hope is such a big, grand thing in, in our eyes, and it's hard to grab onto, but, but prayer is something that all of us should be able to choose to do. And so if you're experiencing hopelessness, or you may be asking, Justin, how, I can, how can I prevent myself from feeling hopeless? Exhibit a pattern of prayer in your life. Exhibit a pattern of prayer, regardless of your, if you're full of hope or you feel hopeless. Exhibit a pattern of prayer in your life because Hannah did. And at this point in Hannah's life, her entire purpose was pointless right now. As the story continues, we see that Hannah, later on, in the next, or in the, at the end of that chapter, actually has a child. And what's really cool is she has an interaction with Eli when she says, hey, no, this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm feeling. He tells you, he confirms, he says, you're going to have a child. And she leaves and she's excited and she's praising God on her way out. And we learn that she has the baby. And here's what's really cool is the next trip that following year, guess who didn't go because she was taking care of her baby? Hannah. She's taking care of her baby. She made a vow in that prayer. She said, God, if, if you give me a son, I will give him unreservedly back to you. But we estimate, we don't really know, but about two to three years later, it says after she's, she's raised him from the infant years, she actually makes that 16-mile trip back with her son, whose name is Samuel. She goes to the temple, right? She goes to the temple and she gets there, just where she found herself in that broken state years before. And the same, the same priest is sitting there, Eli. Eli's sitting there. And she, and she says this in verse 26. She says, sir, do you remember me, Hannah asked. I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. And now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong, he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Hannah and Eli worshiped the Lord. And then we look right to the very next chapter of Samuel 1 and Samuel 2 starts and it begins with a moment of praise from Hannah. And this is what she says. My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong and now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord and there is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Hannah exhibits prayer and Hannah exhibits praise in her life. And you could say, well, Justin, like, She's praising God after the fact that she had her son. God knew that. Can I tell you this? And this is something I've had a pastor tell me. He goes, Justin, you know God knows when you're going to pray and when you're going to praise him before he does anything for you. God knew Hannah was going to praise him. I have a feeling that Hannah praised God even in her seasons of hopelessness. 
Is there a pattern of prayer or praise, excuse me, is there a pattern of praise existing in our lives when we're going through these seasons? And James, can you, you want to come up? To bring this all back together, the last part of the proverb, Proverbs 13, 12, I'll read the, the first part again. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. We see Hannah's hope had been deferred. Hannah was in a state of hopelessness, which led her to be heart sick. For me, I was hopeless and literally heart sick when Christina had told me what she did. Hannah was faithful. Hannah prayed, Hannah praised. The second part of this says, a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. I sat and I thought, God, if I'm hopeful, if I can push through these seasons of hopelessness, maybe I can be a tree of life. You know what's crazy about trees of life? And this is the beautiful part. Got to push through the tears. Trees of life give life to things around them. I want to encourage you guys today and walk, walk in knowing this and this understanding that your hope-filled life, your pattern of prayer, your pattern of praise has the ability to change more than you know. Your hope, like Hannah's, will extend far beyond you. If you exhibit that pattern of prayer and praise, I was thinking and I was thinking about Hannah, and I said, God, what did Hannah's hope do? What was Hannah's tree of life? What did Hannah's hope, did that give hope to other people? Where was the life of that tree of life? Where did that go? Her son was Samuel. Did you know the Israelites had an extended season of oppression from the Philistines? I did some research on Samuel, and Samuel's actually really one of the main reasons that the message of God continued on through that season in Israel. Twenty years of oppression. Samuel led an attack that actually freed the Israelites from the Philistines. I sat there and I said, God, Samuel, what an amazing man. Look at the hope-filled man. But here's the thing. That hope didn't start with Samuel. That hope started with Hannah. Your hope extends beyond you. The things you're hopeful for, the, the pattern of prayer and praise that you do right now, in your quiet time, when you're broken, when you feel whole, regardless of how you feel, it matters. And it will extend far beyond the impact you think you're having with the people around you. Hannah's hope impacts us today. Because the Bible says, if it, in the Bible we learn that if it wasn't for Samuel, we might not all be here. And that started with Hannah. 
It didn't start with Samuel. It started with his mom, his young mother's heart of hope, her desire to be hopeful in hopeless seasons. So what I want to do, I want to stop crying, first of all. That's what I want, that's what I want to do. But here's what I want to do. I want to pray for two people. I want to pray for the hopeless. We all go through hopeless seasons. There's going to be times in our life where we feel hopeless in one area and we feel hopeful in another. And that's, that's life. But I want to pray for the truly hopeless right now. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a relationship. or I don't know what it is. It could be your health. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God instills hope in you and that if you're lacking the prayer and praise aspect of your life, I want to encourage you to do so. And then secondly, I want to pray for those hopeful people. And I want, I want to challenge you slash encourage you that are you sharing that tree of life with others around you? Are you allowing the impact of your hope to go beyond the immediate things you're around? Because God can use your hope to change more than you think he will. So you can bow your heads. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and close and Pastor Kelly can come up after. God, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for who you are, God. God, right now I pray for the people who feel hopeless. God, I pray for the weary and the heavy burden, Lord. The ones who say, God, I'm so tired of just praying, Lord. I'm tired and I'm hopeless. God, I pray tonight as, as they go to bed or as they go home, Lord, whether it's alone or with family or with friends, God, that they can get to a place where they're able to pray and praise you, God. And God, we pray for a renewing of their minds, God, and a renewing of their hope. God, I pray that the hopeless people right now, God, the people like Hannah, can experience true hope, God, that's so abundant that they become a tree of life to the people around them. And God, I want to pray for the people right now who are filled with hope. The people who say, you know what, right now I, I feel pretty good. I'm in a good season. God's, God's speaking to me and God's blessing me and I feel pretty good. I want to pray for you because I want to pray for a continued pattern of this prayer and praise that we are called to exhibit in our lives. And God, I pray that these people who right now are hope-filled, God, one, that they stay hope-filled, that they stay focused in on you, God, and your calling on their life. And two, God, I pray that they're able to look inward and say, God, I'm hopeful, but is my hope affecting other people around me the way you want it to? God, am I hopeful in areas that are going to impact others far beyond myself? Jesus, thank you that you love us, God. Thank you that you are our hope. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.